Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This broadcast is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. On today's program, we continue enjoying portions of a seminar Dr. Jennings presented in 2020 in Allen, Texas. The 400 or so attendees were inspired, as I'm sure you will be, by what the good doctor said. During this presentation, we examine the results of Satan's fall from grace. The talk is entitled, Fear, Shame, and the Masks We Wear. Let's listen. Imagine you're in a loving, other-centered marriage relationship. You love and trust your spouse. Your spouse loves and trusts you. And somebody you also love and trust, maybe a brother or sister, comes to you with tears in their eyes, looking very sad, heartbroken, and they tell you a lie that they've discovered your spouse is having an affair. Now, while it's not true, while your spouse is still faithful and loyal, if you believe the lie, does something inside of you change? Notice, lies believed break the circle of love and trust. And once this first lie is believed, it's like falling dominoes. The whole next cascade of events happen. And so lies believed break the circle of love and trust, and broken love and trust result in fear and selfishness. Fear and selfishness is known in the world today as survival of the fittest. Watch out for me. The opposite of love. See, I I don't believe you're loyal to me. I believe you've been cheating on me. I'm afraid of you now. I'm afraid you're going to hurt me. You don't have my back anymore. You might bring me a disease. I've got to get to the bank and get the money before you do. Lies believe break the circle of love and trust. Broken love and trust result in fear and selfishness. Fear and selfishness result in acts of sin. Notice we are three steps down before we get to a deed. Many Christians get confused about this because they think sin is a behavior problem. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, you say if you commit adultery, bad deed, you commit sin. I say if you lust in your heart. You say if you commit murder, which is a bad deed, you commit sin. I say if you hate in your heart. Jesus makes it very clear that all the bad deeds are manifestations of corruption in the heart. And this is a terminal condition. As the Bible says, we're dead in trespass and sin. Without some intervention that we can't bring to bear, human beings are on a trajectory towards death. So imagine you're an angel in heaven, sinless and perfect, Never had an achy bone or muscle in your whole life. And one of your close friends you've known for millennia, eons, thousands and ten thousands of years, named Lucifer, comes to you one day and he begins to suggest things to you. He just came from God's presence and he says things to you that you've never heard before, but suddenly you get this new feeling you've never had and it's uncomfortable. It's something somebody calls anxiety and worry and dread and and you don't like this feeling because it's suggesting to you things about God that are scary. If you were that angel in heaven, what would you do? Might you want to pray for wisdom? And so you go to God and say, God, Lucifer just said some things about you and it's quite distressing, quite upsetting. God, God, I love you. I love you, God. But I love Lucifer too. God might say, well, I'm really glad that you love us both because love is good. But I have to assure you what Lucifer is saying is not true. It's incorrect. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I'm so relieved. I'm so relieved. And you go find Lucifer. Lucifer, I just had to talk with God. And he says, you're misunderstanding some things. It's not exactly the way you're saying it. And Lucifer, with a tear in his eyes, puts his hands on your shoulder, looks you in the eye and says, I know, I know. 
That's the problem. God's lying. Imagine you're that angel in heaven. How did God respond to this crisis in his angelic host? What does he do? If someone lies about you, can you clear the lie with a declaration? No. Evidence is required. And so God said, Jesus said, let there be light. Let the firmament come forth. Let the land come forth. God begins to give evidence. First off, that he's creator God. And secondly, he begins to build a microcosm of the universe. A planet teeming with life. Built to operate on the principles of love. Where other centeredness is built right into every, every fabric of every system of this planet. And he says on day six, let us make man in our image. Let them be fruitful and multiply in a sinless world. Let them have dominion and govern this planet like we govern the universe on the principles of love. And what was the purpose of this creation? The context of a war. Allegations over God's trustworthiness. And rather than simply saying, I am innocent of the charges, God begins to reveal evidence. To create beings with God-like powers to reveal God's character, methods, principles more fully. See, what would have been revealed had Adam and Eve fulfilled God's directions? Be fruitful and multiply in a world without sin. Would they have had children brought into the world in order for them to enslave, to abuse, to dominate, to control? Or would Adam and Eve have been giving of themselves constantly for the education, the uplifting, the welfare, the the beneficence of their children? And the universe would have looked in and said, oh, I get it. God didn't create us to wait on him. He is giving of himself constantly to build us up. How does Satan respond to God's creation of this lesson book, this little theater, as it says in 1 Corinthians 4, that we're a lesson, a theater to angels and to men? How did he respond? Well, he lies. He lies. He tells more lies. He tells lies to Adam and Eve in the Eden. Did God really say, in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die? Oh, no. You're advanced. You'll become more powerful. You'll become more godlike. Then they believed the lies, and the circle of love and trust was broken, and their hearts became filled with fear and self-centeredness, and they ran and hid because they were afraid, and now they are dying of a terminal condition. So, diagnosis. When Adam and Eve sinned, did God get changed? No. Did God's law get changed? No. Did the condition of Adam and Eve, humankind, get changed? Yes. Psalmist says it. I've been evil from the day I was born. From the time I was conceived, I've been sinful. We're born in sin, conceived in iniquity. Born with a condition we didn't choose, but without remedy results in eternal death. So accurate diagnosis Sin is transgression of God's design parameters for life, which is God's law. It damages the sinner, takes them out of harmony with the basis of life, and results in death unless the creator fixes the damage. Humanity has this terminal condition and is need of healing. So the key learning points, God is love. God's laws are design protocols for life. 
The scripture, science and experience, rightly understood, always harmonize. Breaking God's law damages those who break them. Humankind was changed by Adam and has a terminal condition. God, through Christ, has provided the remedy. What is sin? Well, it is transgression of the law. What law? The protocols of love upon which God designed the universe to operate. And what happens to the sinner when we deviate from the law of love, take advantage of another person, exploit another human being, cheat, lie, steal, do something that is a violation of love? What happens in the one who violates? Fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of punishment. Fear of abandonment. Fear of being assaulted. Fear of being injured with subsequent acts to protect self, to hide self. Let's get some fig leaves and cover our nakedness. Lying, blaming, externalizing. It wasn't me, it was the woman you gave me. Seeking to avoid those we've wronged or anyone who knows about the wrong we've done or to destroy those who know because those who live in darkness don't want to come into the light. They don't want the truth to come in because we're living in guilt. We're living in shame. We're afraid no one can love us if they know what we've done. And so we put on our masks. We don't come to church and say, hey guys, I was struggling and I relapsed this week. I thought I had the porn addiction in, in control, but I, but I viewed porn again this week. Your pastor doesn't come to church and say that. But the data shows that over 50% of pastors view porn monthly. Why? Because at most churches, if a pastor came and said, hey, I'm struggling, guys. I need your prayer. I need your help. I've got problems in my life. I viewed porn again this week. The church would draw around with encouragement and support, lift them up. <laughs> or do they hide and wear their social masks because they fear what's likely to happen? And so the systems of religion and social structure often reinforce the fear-based, shame-based approach to life rather than a healing, grace approach to life? Are there laws involved in the consequences of deviating from God's designed law? In other words, where does the fear, where does the guilt, where does the shame come from? Is it some external application or is it an internal consequence you can't avoid? After Adam and Eve sinned, they ran and hid because they were afraid. They were afraid. They were guilt-ridden. They were ashamed. How did God respond? Adam, where are you? I have no clue. Stop hiding. I'm not playing hide-and-seek. No, God knew. This was not something out of God's awareness. He didn't say, where are you? Because I don't know. He was showing grace. Hey, Adam, I don't want to startle you. I don't want to frighten you. And notice this question to Adam. Because Adam said, I, I ran and hid because I was afraid because I was naked. And God responds with, who told you you were naked? Where did you get that information? Where did you come to that perspective? When did you come to feel exposed? In other words, and think about what the options to that question are. Well, I heard it on CNN. <laughs> 
No, no, the, the, the options are very limited at this point. And so the implication in the question is, Adam, did you hear me say that? Or you didn't hear it from me. I'm not the one condemning you, Adam. I'm not the one pointing out faults. I'm not the one criticizing. That's your own conscience. That's what's happened because you've transgressed my design law. You've damaged yourself. You've introduced a new element of fear, of guilt, of shame. That's not coming from me, Adam. And what did Adam do to try to deal with it? We know that the only solution for Adam was God. And so did Adam instantly run to God for help? No, he ran and hid from God and tried to fix the problem himself with his fig leaf garments and so forth. How well did that work? And how many of us today still sew the fig leaf garments of various kinds, whether social, whether religious, some mechanism to hide us from God, covering us with various garments or, or applications of various liquids and so forth to, to make sure when the Father looks at us, he can't see us? Was God his enemy? No. God was not his enemy in Eden, and God is not our enemy today. Dr. Tim Jennings speaking to an auditorium filled to capacity in Allen, Texas back in 2020. We'll continue the seminar on our next broadcast. Until then, take a moment to check out CommonReason.com for many resources Dr. Jennings has made available to you. This program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>